Hey, this is Chad, and this is the second episode of Spiritual Punk Rock Redneck. Today, my guest is a really good friend of mine. We spent uh, three years in graduate school together studying uh, nautical archaeology. We did a number of conservation projects working on uh, a whole bunch of really cool shipwrecks, getting uh, getting our hands dirty. Um, and then we even spent a month uh, on a small project in Jamaica uh, surveying a shipwreck on top of a sunken city uh pretty exciting but uh i really love talking with john and i can't wait for you guys to hear this conversation John, how's it been? It's been fantastic, Chad. I'm so glad to be here. Thanks for inviting me on the show. Yeah, man, I'm real excited to just record a conversation with you just because I know you and I have had so many um, just out-of-this-world talks that uh, have, have <laughs> gone places that are pretty insane. And I um, and uh, well, I, I kind of want to just keep this one a little bit more down-to-earth, though, and... Uh, just kind of talk about what we know about uh, just kind of our history as people and um, like uh, our place here on earth. That is a broad and fascinating topic. I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. Great, great. Um, so, I mean, if I'm just going to jump right in and uh, like say i don't want to i'll tell you where i don't want to start how's that sound i don't want to start with the i don't want to start with big bang i don't i I don't want to start with uh you know the moon getting knocked off the earth um (laughs) you know what and like maybe the best place to to start is like with kind of a a perception of time and Hmm. to think about like like how long is a million seconds, right? A million seconds is what? Like, it's just under 12 days, but a billion. Did you just do that in your head? But because a, that's amazing if you just did that. No, but, that no, no. <laughs> but, but, wow. but a billion seconds, a billion seconds is like 33 years. Okay. okay. So like, I know those two words just get thrown around in everyday language you know, and so our concepts of time are, they're malleable, <laughs> I guess. And That's so, for sure. And so, um, where was I going? So, uh, well, okay. So then jump at dinosaurs. The only thing I really wanted to say about dinosaurs is, uh, the difference in time between the existence of Stegosaurus and the T-Rex is longer than the time between the existence of T-Rex and us. Hmm, so we, we live closer in time to Tyrannosaurus Rex than Tyrannosaurus Rex lived to Stegosaurus. Yet they're all thrown in the same plastic box together. <laughs> I distinctly remember it. Yeah, I mean, as a kid, any kind of museum exhibit or like, like, like a toy, like you're mentioning, you know, it's just a box of dinosaurs. It didn't really differentiate 
different eras or anything. And I also distinctly remember my brother playing with a Tyrannosaurus and a Stegosaurus at the same time. <laughs> and it's funny that you're saying that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're like, and I mean, there's like another weird thing where, um, you know, like the construction of the Great Pyramids was longer in time to the existence of Cleopatra than Cleopatra is to the iPhone. Like, I mean, she's closer mm-hmm. to the iPhone than she is to the pyramids themselves. And that's like another, yeah. And so like, I can see that, you, yeah, I can see that you picked that up right away. Absolutely. I mean, something I'd like to touch on maybe later as we go along is, is, uh, you know, that, that's a great touchstone for people. You know, people can, most people are aware of the pyramids to some degree. You know, it's a it's a a, a common point that 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 people can uh, work with. And the idea of tourism in the age of Cleopatra is a fascinating thing to me. Like uh, wealthy Roman citizens would would plan trips to Egypt, much sure. like people do today, to tour the pyramids. It was a tourist attraction uh, when when she was queen of Egypt. That that is such a modern concept, you know, and, and I, I think you put it, uh, perfectly, you know, saying that she's closer in time to the iPhone, you know, than to, to you know, to, to, to those spirit, uh, pyramids construction. So that, that's, that's a really good, good, good framework. Yeah, definitely. Um, so, um, I feel like Cleopatra would be a little bit of a fast forward though. So if we're just going to jump back, got kind of a baseline for kind of how we're thinking about time and like how many generations of people. And so when you and I were undergraduates, uh, we didn't go to the same undergraduate university, but we were studying along the same lines. I studied archaeology and history. You studied what? uh, Classics and history. Yeah. 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 Classics and history. Yeah. And so um, then it was said that modern human, the evolved modern human, uh, was 200,000 years. And, mm, yeah. and then recently, I don't know, within the past couple of years, they pushed it back some four to 400,000. Am I correct? Yeah. Is that what you... I'm not sure. I know it's been in flux and that it keeps getting pushed further and further back as we uh, discover... Um, as as archaeology uncovers more advanced yeah, signs of advanced thinking, the, the whole question is so convoluted. Though, you know, we're working with these really vague definitions of what advanced, you know, like what an advanced human is. Mm-hmm. You know, it's most of it, it comes down to the ability to make uh, a conscious, constructive, tool related decisions, mm-hmm. and evidence of, of that can be something like uh, it, stone marks on a mastodon bone showing that, that it was defleshed in an intentional manner. Sure. 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 You know, trying to, you know, so, so 200, 400,000, like, it, yeah, but okay. So, so let's go. Conversation. Yeah. So let's, let's, let's talk about that a little bit though. Like, um, so our first, our first, um, presence of stone tools is homo what homo habilis the handyman am i right Hi. and uh old gorge i think so i'm not sure <laughs> yeah there's just a, i know i'm pulling this out from old 
you know, a decade ago, probably. (laughs) (laughs) And, uh, and, um, anyway, from there, you know, we jump around to a couple of, uh, walking around ape people. We get Lucy with the, the famous Australopithecus afarensis. And then, uh, and then eventually we get to Homo erectus. And that's like a pretty common household term for the early man. Right. Um, but he existed for over a million years, like over a million years. And he's walking around and he's got a hand axe, right? That's like, he's got this one classic stone tool. It's basically like a nut. It's, it's basically like a military e-tool made out of a rock. It's a, it's a knife and a (laughs) shovel in one. (laughs) And, uh, and he's making fire. He's probably talking, huh? I don't know. I would think so. Communicating to some degree. Yeah. Singing songs. (laughs) Definitely. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, But we don't have artwork yet. We don't have artwork yet. Not that we have any evidence for. Sure. So, yeah, but um, some, you know, something that would be interesting for me is is trying to think of or or talk to someone who is uh, like a, a, a physician or or someone who knew the biological history of like vocal cords. Mm-hmm. You know, like how whether or not human vocal cords have changed. And if we see any difference in like some of the bog bodies that were uh, excavated from, you know, not too long ago. Sure. Years sure. Ago, so. Sure. Yeah. But, I, get, um, I see what you're saying. Um, but so, man, some I'd heard like a while ago was looking at the teeth of Homo erectus and looking at hmm. how he would, they'd have marks on their teeth from picking meat out of them because they're you know they're mainly eating meat they're probably cooking it at this point they have fire picking their teeth but they have these like marks in their teeth from picking that out suggests possibly that that sensitivity in the mouth would suggest that they have the ability to communicate vocally possibly i don't yeah. know it's a yeah, reach <laughs> i like to, but these are the crazy things that you and i talk about like it's like such a reach you know but it's like mm, yeah maybe. yeah but you know there's there, i i i have no doubt i don't think it would be i i don't think it's much of a question that there would be some kind of vocalization i like that word mm-hmm. you know like because it doesn't it doesn't necessarily imply constructed vocabulary or anything like that but simply admitting sound to some degree mm-hmm. most yeah, I, I, all mammals yeah as far as i'm aware do this and, and use it in, in 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 some rudimentary form of communication you got me trying to think Even of a it, silent mammal all of a sudden i can't think of one, <laughs> like uh but but you know where where that all comes to you know like where that where that culminates the big blossoming question then is is where in our history do we begin to use this ability that we have to emanate to generate sound waves Mm -hmm. where do we where when and why do we begin to maximize this ability let's say yeah i mean I, i mean 
to take a basic data set, perhaps one could have 500 separate grunts or something mm-hmm. you know, very limited, you know, from, Hey, I like you to, Hey, go away, you know, stuff like this. Yeah. What, where do we, and why do we begin to refine it into such a complex, you know, the, it, it seems to me that the root of it is, is att- attempting to define complexity, right? We, we create more words for things so that we can express more complex thoughts. Sure. Right? Yeah. So this, this recognition of and desire to engage with complexity is somewhere in the mix. And that fascinates me. Yeah. I mean, I'm thinking like, you know, my brain kind of, it jumps right to like one spot and it's like deception. Like, okay, first mm-hmm. you want to communicate, um, forethought, like, yeah. you know, not just what's happening around you, like, uh, get out of the way, like, but Hey, let's do this later. Or you go over there and I'll go over here. Right. Yep. But then here comes deception where you want somebody to do something, you know, so that you can take advantage in another way where like, you're not, you know what I mean? I do. Yeah. yeah. Like where that's where creativity almost comes from. It sounds horrible, doesn't it? <laughs> no, 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 no. It doesn't. But to, Actually, to find the I, advantage. I reading a, a fascinating book called the righteous mind. Um, mm-hmm. it, it's a, uh, a, a, a psychologist, um, who has summed up his, his career research, uh, trying to look at why good people, what we would, you know, generally good people can have such strong disagreements over topics like politics and religion. Mm-hmm. And he goes back into the origins of, of brain development. And I mean, it's a fascinating read, but, but he really, uh, in one of his chapters came to that same conclusion that a lot of creativity came from the, uh, from a desire to be able to work with deception, which is really interesting. Huh. And I mean, well, deception isn't always used for in a nefarious way. No, no. You sometimes know, it's, yeah, yeah. I mean, it can be used for, for, for good things to help children, you know, to, to work and navigate difficult situations, things yeah. that maybe you can't, even even putting something for later can be a type of deception. Sure, you know, yeah. like there's a w- w- without that frame of mind, without that ability to almost step back out of your own mind and see what's happening in the moment. As a, uh, I'm not saying it well. Like seeing what's being able to observe yourself rather than just to live in the immediacy of the moment. Mm-hmm. You know, so that you can say, hey. Chad, you know, we don't have time to deal with this right now. Let's, let's, let's put it off a little bit. Sure. Removing anything from the immediate moment, I think in a way could, could be classified as a, as a type of deception, a way of changing what is Mm -hmm. slightly. Oh, I see what you mean. Sure. So, all right. So we got, so now we're deceiving. And then, and then come in, then come in the Neanderthals. I don't know, or Neanderthals, however you want to say it. I don't really care. Um, yeah, I really got no opinion. I mean, it seems like a, like, you know, an offshoot branch of, 
of our species that died off. Apparently, there's been some interbreeding. Uh, yeah. I just read, you know, you know I'm not really up me. on the scientific literature, but, um, the, you know, I, I think the last few articles I've read, we were saying about, you know, there's some evidence of interbreeding and then potential evidence that um, Homo sapiens sapiens, like, basically killed off <laughs> the other tribes, the other groups. Wouldn't surprise um, me. But, I mean, then again, like, yeah. uh, with a lot of the... God, I hate to say this, but like with a lot of social justice, like bullshit, like going after Dr. Seuss and all this going around right now, like it wouldn't be hard to believe that somebody's looking for like some kind of angle like that. You know what I mean? Like, sure. oh, yeah. like people, all people are bad. We even killed these other species. It's not like we didn't just kill the dodo. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Passenger a... pigeon. <laughs> certain certain parties definitely definitely want to uh i think take advantage of every opportunity just to to degrade or attack humanity to 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 focus on the worst of us rather than focus on the good in us and and the good that we can continue to increase sure. in, in ourselves absolutely sure. sure yeah yeah so I did study a lot about British hit like British like uh, Stone Age history mm-hmm. and and then the process of moving from you know the Paleolithic to the through the Neolithic and then through the different you know metal ages uh, yeah copper iron and bronze you know like or bronze and iron um very interesting and fascinating um it was weird how i really only got like kind of a snapshot of this one section of the earth though in my hmm. like in my repertoire or like in my in my group of my house for like how all that time passed you know, I mean, if we're just going for, we're just going from people, we're, we're just regular people now, homo sapiens sapiens, we got rocks, yeah. and then we got better rocks, <laughs> and, then, and then we got soft metal, then we got medium metal, then we get hard metal, right? Yep. You know. I mean, just the basic progression. But my understanding of that progression only takes place, like, on the the British Isles. Like, it's kind of weird, like, how I just, yes. how my education, like, kind of pigeonholed me in that one spot while I was studying it. Kind of outside of the, the maritime stuff, obviously. Like, we really sure. haven't even right. talked yeah. about that. But... But for the most part, like, I don't really have an understanding of, like, how Stone Age in China was going on. You know what I mean? Like, Me or, or yeah. the, yeah, yeah. And I mean, I think a lot of us get a, a, most of our history um, from, or or what we know is, it's like ancient Egypt. And then we jump into, you know, the Dark Ages and we got Knights and Crusades. You know, and then bam, we're into, and then bam, we got pirates, and then the Revolutionary War, yep. 
and then we're at on and then we're on to American history. That's like the basis of like <laughs> an American education. Like it doesn't really there's a lot of holes there, I guess. Oh my heavens, yeah. Absolutely. And it's all I mean, there's massive holes. Uh, you know, our K twelve, the American K twelve history uh <laughs> whatever you want to call it system or whatever it's it's it is so outdated and um ah uh, you know what it really, though really bothers me when it comes down to like that though it would for my experience in school it really doesn't matter it's just the teacher for me like i get mm. that like some of the the history that i was taught was just like real cut and dry straightforward and now I know like how malleable that is over time. Absolutely. And when yeah. I when I read things, I can't help but like perceive the author thinking of how he's going to form that sentence, and then not just yeah. that he's forming that sentence in this history book, but he's literally like rewriting history in his own perception. And so that's been done so much; it's hard to. Ah, that's why we have these talks, John. (laughs) Absolutely. Absolutely. And I mean, it's so history, the concept of history and its application in as unbiased a form as possible is, is critical, critical to our survival as a, as a, a species, a group of people. I think when we were nautical together, I told you that I thought, of kind of archaeologists as the, you know, um, the defenders of history, right? Mm-hmm. Because uh, physical evidence, right? What, what archaeologists work with physical evidence from the past um, is, is while not incontrovertible, right? There are multiple interpretations sometimes for an object. It is undismissible, right? Mm-hmm. You can't, you can't, unless you, really have control over whatever uh group of people you're you're into you 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 can't erase it from history right Mm -hmm. it's it's tangible evidence of the past right so being able to engage with that for good or ill whether the story is of you know humans being awesome or humans being terrible it that whatever the evidence shows has to be brought to light, right? We can't sweep it under the carpet. We can't forget it. We can't rewrite it because we wish we had done something different. If we don't address the past in as, uh, this is one of my favorite concepts. If we, if we don't address the past in one of the, in, in, in the least wrong way possible, we're just good. We're, we're just going to be doomed to repeat ourselves. There's an amazing Institute, uh, out of um well i mean there are different branches of it all over but it's 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 the less wrong institute i love it it's this guy that uh the young kid 20 years ago or 10 years ago or something started working with um bayesian statistics and and going through and talking about you know how it's almost impossible to be absolutely correct right mm-hmm. but in a a flexible free society where you're trying to be true to yourself and what you're seeing like with, with all your human infallibility or sorry with all your human infallibility and whatever mm-hmm. like 
just try to be the least wrong, especially in terms of, uh, you know, looking, looking back at history, right? You, you and I have lived it, you know, we've gone on, I don't know how many excavations, right? Mm -hmm. This has been a professional career for almost 20 years now for me. Um, (laughs) data gets presented, published, reassessed, changed, reinterpreted, right? Oh yeah. It, it, it would be so much better if those school books that we were talking about, right? The K-12 school books yeah. put down in there the truth, which is, this is our best working theory. <laughs> you know? Yeah. But they don't want yeah. to do that. They want, it, you know, unless you get into grad school where we met, yeah. you know, people really don't, at least the scientific community, doesn't like to admit. They always say like, oh yeah, you know, we... You know, you never claim something that you can't prove or whatever, but all the textbooks do claim that. Yeah. And if you, you know, it's like, take this truth. Funny, going back to deception, mm-hmm. take this truth as truth until you progress far enough that you can start dealing with the concept of it being not quite the truth. Dude, you just said but, fake, fake news is history. <laughs> oh my God, I didn't know. Oh Lord. <laughs> Um, it's like you just take some fake news and then you make it really old and then it's history (laughs) (laughs) oh boy because that's what it is currently like if we don't admit to ourselves like what is currently happening right i just see so many like just blatant like obvious things that uh some this is just stuff that just disgusts me and it's like yeah if we can't just get back to like being truthful with ourselves you know then how are we supposed to be truthful with what we're writing down you know like absolutely that takes a lot of fucking nerve man to like to to not be like honest with yourself before you take to pen and like and then just decide you're going to mold like the minds of untold people, you know, f- yep. for, for however long. Oh man. Yeah. I like your, Absolutely. I like your the, the most right. Like the, the, the best you can do, <laughs> man. Like that makes sense, man. And it's, and I think part of deception is about being lazy. Like mm. a lot of times it's easier to just cut the corner and leave that part out. Right. Oh yeah. Like, cause that's Absolutely. not important to me, even though it might be important to somebody else. Every historian <laughs> to focus on what they like. You gotta, you know, people, some, some people try harder, I think, you know, to, to address the views of, of people they might disagree with or facts that they don't necessarily find interesting or that doesn't, advance their particular agenda, you know, but, but that's hard for a human, right? Yeah. You know, to truly try to be altruistic, to be uh, neutral. Sure. That's oh. Yeah. But I mean, maybe if you're just up front of it with it in the beginning, like, Hey, this is my best attempt, you know, at, exactly. uh, at, yeah. And based on my perception and what I know at the, at the time, you know, Right. And, and, and that's, I mean, things have gotten so much better. You know, it, it, it's amazing to me 
how the academic fields that we rely on today that we take for granted, right? All the separate sciences and most of them less than to, to any real degree, less than 200 years old, right? Yeah. You have medicine, astronomy, mathematics, some form of chemistry a little bit, but, but most of that tied up in, in, in one great ball of natural science for the vast majority of human history. Right. Yeah. And then the last 200 years, we start splitting these things out and addressing them in a little bit more detail. Um, but, but it's not, there's not that the history of science is, 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 you know, people have been doing things that we can classify as science since the dawn of humanity, but, but sure. You know, the, the, the real, the real divisions of them uh, don't have long histories at all. And, and, uh, Man, just what we've accomplished in that short span of time. It's not, it hasn't stopped, man. It's still no. going, and it's like, it's, you know, compounding faster. It is. And, and, uh, coming back to history, like, there's, uh, a hundred years ago, you could learn, you know, simply knowing if you knew the history of your village and something about your state and country. Let's talk from, from an American perspective here. Sure. You know, that, that was probably quite sufficient to, to know where your place was and your, your, your role. If you want you know, everything that you were likely to encounter in life mm-hmm. would probably fall within that sphere. Right. Yeah. But today, I mean, fast forward to today, Cleopatra's iPhone age of social media Everybody from a very young age in a first world affluent society, like where they have access to a a digital device, is now interacting quite literally on a global scale. Ten-year-olds, you know, if they're reading about in East Africa. (laughs) Yeah, but nobody's using it for that, though. Like, who's using their phone to, like, look up, like, oh, man, where did they find Blackbeard's ship? Oh, right here? Off the, <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> Just off the coast. Oh, it's the course North, North Carolina? Like, yeah. Um, yeah, people aren't using it. I don't even, I I do, but barely. And like, for the minimal amount that I use it for, like, I feel like I'm, it's a lot. You know, like it I know, is. I mean, for actual genuine research, you know, sure. yeah. trying to teach yourself stuff. Today's kids have a massive challenge, right? Because quite literally, they must absorb a global perspective at an extraordinarily young age, right? Yeah, but you don't have to know shit because everything you can, you can just know anything like at any time. And so there, it's like a built in like laziness because you don't have to know shit. You don't try to learn anything. That's really interesting, actually. There's a, a funny when I was um, when I was still still uh, uh, working. You, you remember I was doing all that research on 13th century shipping in the Black Sea before the yep uh, yeah before, during uh, you know back in grad school. Yeah. Um, one of my favorite quotes or or collection of quotes. I had this this collection. I don't know where it is now. But it was like all these uh, prominent people throughout history complaining about kids not remembering things well. 
and like one of them was like when Gutenberg made the printing press. Yeah. Like some really prominent guy was like, the kids aren't going to remember stuff anymore because they can just go out and buy one or two books and it's all written there for them. And you know, they won't, they won't have to memorize stuff. Yeah. And then another one before that was, uh, 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 I think Demosthenes or some Greek, Greek orator. Like he was complaining that when, you know, when he was a kid, uh, everybody had to memorize the Iliad and the Odyssey. Oh and, yeah. But it's know, these days, right. Yeah. But he's like, <laughs> it's better than the Bible. It's like, you don't have to like memorize the Bible. <laughs> <laughs> sorry. Sorry. What? It's like, it's not like memorizing the Bible though. That's true. Yeah. David, David yeah, Koresh had the, had the Bible memorized. <laughs> Are you serious? Yeah. Oof. That's a, that, that's a piece of work. <laughs> yeah, but uh, yeah, and, and so 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 how we remember and and uh, for friends of mine in the in in, in the medical field have said our actual neurology has changed. Like how we remember has changed um, with the rise of of digital media because it's basically surrogate memories, right? Mm-hmm. So now instead, it, 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 it is better a a, a, a a person is more uh powerful has greater bandwidth control free up space bandwidth, yeah, by knowing where to look for information rather than knowing that information itself right mm-hmm. i mean i mean some things so, like obviously you have like basic skills for your job whatever you need for your day-to-day you have to have that right in top of mind right but for anything else, like secondary and below, it's actually better just to, to know which doors to open rather than having the, 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 the data right there, knowing sure. where to look, right? Yeah. And the problem with that is, the well, this with this Wikipedia problem, um, Wikipedia is great. It, it provides a quick access format for people that want to learn something really quick, right? Yeah. A couple of pictures couple paragraphs of text i use boom, it all the time in the man. world almost. i use it all the time but it is subjective to any authorized wikipedia users opinion everybody can edit each other so you're trusting by by not going and finding your own data and and having it memorized you're trusting whoever's writing that. Mm-hmm. So in a sense, our memory is becoming collective. So I think that, uh, I'm the reason I'm okay with the Wikipedia thing is because mm-hmm. I have the skill set to like go beyond it. Like, like I was saying before, yeah, like, absolutely. like reading, uh, like getting in the mind of the author while they're writing the words and, trying to right. figure out why they're saying that. And if I can, you can, you can pick up on their tone and their sense, all that in even mm-hmm. a Wikipedia page. And man, you know where to go from there. If it's something simple and you can buy it right off the bat, like it's, you know, it's usually pretty solid, but you can, when you got to dig deeper, you dig deeper. Like, the same exactly. reason, like, like I hate anything automated on a telephone. Like, if I am calling, I'm calling to speak to a person. I don't need something mm. automated in the first place. Like, so when I, 
am going to do my research online. Like maybe I'll start there. But then if I question something, I'll check the reference. I'll go into that. Click that link. Where does that go? Oh, yeah. Yeah. And then I look. Yeah. And then you can then you can get deep, start following money, you know. <laughs> but, um, yeah. I mean, even stuff like, uh, let's take the Sphinx, for instance. Mm. The Sphinx has, like, a lot of controversy around it um, and its Probably age. Happens, yes. And it, it's it's a lot of fun. And, um, and I'm not going <laughs> to. Sure. You know, I have no power to decide what happens with the Sphinx. So, like, like there's no way for me to test anything. So, like, to me right now, everything's still up in the air, you know. And um, Sure. But what I did was I went to the actual website of the people who take care of the Sphinx. Like, the people that hmm. work there and they they take care of it. Like I went to their website, cool. which was actually difficult to find. This was one of my like little like researching times that I was telling you about. Like I got curious about the Sphinx mm. for no reason, and uh, you know, and they have their definitive, you know, this is this. You know, they say this. That's what it is. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't work there. I haven't been there. I don't know if there's a giant. I don't know I what's under. There. It's on the list. I don't know what's under the right ear. I don't know what's under the the paw. If there's a chamber, if there's a gold ball in its neck, I don't know if it used to be a lion. <laughs> I don't know if it was there while it was flooding, or if it was, you know, it just flooded from the off ramp of the the Great Pyramid Causeway. You know. So, oh heavens! Yeah. So, so like I was, I was, uh, like I was a, looking into it a couple years ago. Um, because I was, uh, someone had actually mentioned that I was having a different conversation about some chamber under the Sphinx. And I said, well, why didn't they just do a GPR study? You know, like a ground penetrating radar study. Yeah. And, um, it turns out they have, uh, and it's hollow, a, right? A there's a chamber ago. there, right? Yeah, there's a there's a tunnel or passage or yeah. uh, something, there's and there's something. something in the in the rear of it as well. Oh, I've never heard that. Yeah, but I mean, I mean, but but they're not big. Sure. Um, you know, I, and, and and they were, uh, you know, they were really early studies, and there's not really much publicly available. Sure. That, that I could find, but but it was interesting to me that they did it. Uh it just seems real obvious that it was a lion face to begin with, though. And there's evidence that they'd done that in other museums where they have, like, a statue of a lion, and then they've carved the face into a human face on it. Huh. Yeah. Yeah, do you know, do you, does, a, does, a, does the Sphinx, does, like, a lion... No, you got to do the whole, like, pro- you got to project it back to, what, 12,000 years ago, make it way older than what they say, and then yeah. then it lines up with a mass asteroidal impact collision, which caused the Great Flood in, you know, Gilgamesh slash Noah. Ah, uh, yeah. And then... Uh, and so they're saying it was there before. And so then if you go back to that time then he would have been <laughs> facing the he would have been facing the leo constellation 
or some something to that effect. So it would have been like a lion facing the Leo constellation. But like huh. you have to think about the procession of the equinox and how the Earth spins. Sure, sure. We're getting into <laughs> physics here. Let's, let's get away from physics. <laughs> Uh, but it's all up for a question, you know. You've been on the news before, right, John? Like, just like oh, a like quick, a, like, uh, no. yeah, like a local news. Like, you've never been on one of those interviewed for a local news channel? Like, some lady and her Not camera guy comes out. I, I, I might have been in Florida when we were doing that stuff for the Center for the Study of First Americans. Okay. But I can't, I can't honestly remember. Okay. Well, like, if you've ever had an experience like that, and then you watch the local news that night to see yourself on TV. Oh yeah. When you when you do, it's nothing like what you imagined it. Mm. It's nothing like what you remembered it as. Like they tell the story again for you. And so having that in mind, like every time if that happens to me, think about every news story that's just told to you. And you just take mm-hmm. it on face value. But when you're actually a part of the news story, it's nothing like that. Yeah. And so if history is anything like that, is basically what it is. It's a series of news stories that we've collected. Yeah, for sure. They're nothing like the actual experiences. They're just kind of other people's interpretations of that experience, I guess. I guess that's why they. Oh have my god! Yeah, history. absolutely. Palimpsest yeah. on palimpsest, man. Just stuff piled and piled and piled on top of other stuff. Mm-hmm. It's it's a. I mean, I mean, we barely can can people barely remember what happened in their own lives ten years ago. I can't. <laughs> you, I can't. you know what I mean? Like yeah. like like with any kind of detail. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, and and the only people's stories. There is an awesome section, you know. Finally, uh, historians, archaeologists, um, scientists of all of all types are 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 getting into the question of, you know, just average people, how average people lived, right? Mm-hmm. So kings, emperors, generals, all this, you know, that history is usually written about. Finally, we're getting into some seriously well funded research on just average nobodies, sure. you know, people that are just doing their thing. Yep. And, and it would never make it into the history books. And and the results are, uh, changing, changing the field, changing people's perceptions, right? When you move away from higher, you know, from wealthy, you know, like extremely wealthy, uh, a sub of society mm-hmm. and, 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 and try to take a look at, um, data sets from, from, uh, uh, lower echelons, I guess, you know, it changes things, which is also interesting, uh, in terms of our research in the maritime, um, maritime history of the world. Sailors are one of the few groups of not elite people that actually had some sort of records, right? Yeah. In, 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 uh, shipping lists, um, crew lists, uh, cargo manifests, uh, itineraries, um, even in their, you know, their own, their own temples, their own bars and, and, uh, temporary quarters on, you know, 
in, 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 the, in the port districts of cities. We have some of their graffiti. You know, we have a few uh, elements of their personal life that, that have um, survived. And then, of course, in the, the tragedies that, you know, turn into, um, well, tragic gifts for us of, of shipwrecks when we can finally, you know, find uh, uh, elements of these poor mariners in situ with with all of their equipment, right? Yeah. Almost never before, uh, there's almost no type of, of archaeological site where you can truly say that this, that, 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 that everything is in context, that it's not, um, the, you know, that it hasn't been contaminated by something or, or some other site, right? You have a, a shipwreck in the middle of nowhere. Everything that's there belongs for some reason. That's awesome. Um, it's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. And, 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 and we're starting to take that lens and, um, move it around, you know, to, you know, to, try to understand the lives of all people. I remember when I was an undergrad, uh, one of my favorite professors uh, had told me that the entire, I, I, I had asked him, how did it go? I had asked, I, I was struggling in one of my first Latin classes and I was like, why do we, why do we need to do this? I mean, I want to learn Latin cause I want to read these great masters or whatever, but like all the books have been translated right? All the Latin texts have been translated. Yeah. Why for me, why, (laughs) why, why do we need, why do we need more people to learn this? And, um, yeah, you know, I stayed with it. Obviously I, I, sure. You can read Latin, huh? You can read Latin, John. Yeah. Oh yeah. Skills, skills of a strange. You are a a polyglot, right? You speak a oh, bunch of a little bit of a little bit of like everything. <laughs> yes, yes, that is yes. that is that is a fair assessment. Yeah, I, through through random things. But what he told me was, he said, "Look, John, every generation has to retranslate these texts because our understanding of the world that the classic authors lived in is going to change." With every generation, we're going to know more, and it needs fresh eyes. Dude, that makes so much and he sense. Told me, totally, dude. And like, like in the 1950s, he was telling me like when he was uh, in school, and they were studying um, Roman power. He said they would they would really only focus on Italy, and none of the texts, none of the sites from like North Africa or Egypt or the provinces in the Middle East, like none of that, the, the, they, they were all specialty studies. They didn't, they didn't come into the main corpus of, of what they were working with, which is ridiculous, right? The vast majority of Roman remains these days of Roman archaeology is not in Italy. Sure. Right? Yeah. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. If you want like to see Greece and Rome. Oh, check, I yeah. saw tons in, in England. You, you oh, yeah. can see oh, yeah. Roman walls like right through that are still in part of the city of London. And then you could just go outside of the city, and there's like a whole. It's called the city of Rillium. They have a. They still have a gladiator fighting arena there that you can just like walk around in. You can just go down. That is really cool. Yeah, yeah it's yeah, it's really cool. That's, yeah, and they oh have. Man. Yeah, yeah. There's a bunch of like like it's not just Stonehenge. Like I've seen Stonehenge, but there's there's a bunch of other really cool old stuff out there, man. It's fascinating. I have not spent. Nearly enough time in the British Isles. I need 
why don't we go? Let's go on a three-month bike trip, north to south. We'll be able to see it all. <laughs> Have you seen the that Netflix, uh, The Dig? Uh, no. It's the no, Su- it's the Sutton Who. Do you, are you familiar with the, oh, the no, Sutton no, Who? Oh, no, I haven't. That's cool. Yeah, it's so slow and boring. But I did, you know, punish myself with it because I have seen the Sutton Who <laughs> exhibit in person and it is amazing. Like they found like this. If nobody knows the Sutton Who exhibit, please look it up. It is awesome. It's this woman bought some property or just watch the movie. In fact, yeah. You know what? I'm not going to say anything else. You can just watch the movie on Netflix. It's called <laughs> The Dig. And, and uh, you know, it, you can go to London and uh, see it in the British uh, British Museum. That is so cool. <laughs> There's all qu- kinds of cool stuff there. They got the Rosetta Stone there. Yeah, yeah. What a what an amazing artifact. Let's talk about Just, that. Uh, Let's talk about the Rosetta Stone. Very good. So, this is what. Let's just talk about what it is first. So it's okay. it's a, it's a just it's a giant black rock, right? It's not that big, but yeah, it's pretty big. I couldn't pick it up. Well, no, I mean, yeah, yeah, yes, you, I mean, no, I mean, not it would it would probably take you could two really really big guys probably I think could get it. <laughs> tabletop i don't even know yeah, no, I, I think it's, it's like six feet tall or oh it's no. big though it's cool but anyways it's a big black rock no, it's and it's got uh, meters okay so you got it right there john what it would let us know what it's about yeah well i mean it was uh what are the languages on there that's what i'm that's what i'm trying to find I thought it was just it's Egyptian hieroglyphics. It's Egyptian whatever their like regular handwriting is. Ah, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So so um the top register in Egyptian hieroglyphics, the second register in Egyptian Egyptian demotic script, and the third in ancient Greek. Yeah. So we yeah. already knew ancient Greek, but we didn't know hieroglyphics. And so the Rosetta yeah. Stone is what gave humanity back the ability to read the hieroglyphics. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. But it's been used as a representation of like, you know, the Rosetta Stone is like the language, you know, breaking that language barrier, you know. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, oh, awesome. Amazing yeah. stuff. Is there anything no, else? Yeah. Is there anything else like that that we've found? I say we, and I mean everybody on Earth when I say we, collectively. Yeah, uh, like a... Like a double... Like, well, like, there's like, the, like a script that unlocked, and it, like something that we couldn't read? Yeah, maybe something like that. Well, we have the Dead Sea Scrolls. Oh, boy. The only thing I'm thinking is, is the... What's that crazy... Antikythera, is that that? Did I say that right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, the anti, yeah. So the Antikythera devices are, it's like a, uh, it's a machine a, that was able to plot it's a uh, celestial positions cl- of stars and predict like the Olympic games at different festivals. Oh, really? Um, yeah, but they can't. But which is really cool. They can't replicate it though, can they? Has anybody yeah. reproduced one? Yeah, a functioning one. 
I I, so, can yeah. I get one on eBay? <laughs> Uh, Probably get one on Amazon uh, yeah, now. Can I, you got two-day yeah, shipping on your own Andy Kithra machine. <laughs> you can know when your next presidential election is. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. It's, uh, it's really cool. And, uh, you know, the guys from the uh, – or the, the, the people from uh, – there, there are some Americans over there, I think, doing it. Like the dive team, the National Park – Service dive team is helping out, I think. Okay. Where's that? It's in the well, Medi- it, it, It's off the island of Antikythera in the Greek archipelago. Yeah, in the Mediterranean. I knew that. I just know yeah. exactly. I didn't know that was the name of the island. I just knew that was the name of the, the little device. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. That's what this is about, man. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, oh, this is, this is so much fun. John, if you could, if you could go and like, not just visit, but actually like get your hands dirty or maybe your feet wet uh, <laughs> on any site um, that you can kind of think of. What what would it be? Oh my goodness! What would be so your many. what would be your grail your grail site? <laughs> oh boy! I, it could be something that's been worked. Yeah, I um. boy well troy obviously like that would be that's still going man i think you get a job life-changing <laughs> yeah last but... you want to dive the hell spot i would love that that would be dude is there anybody that has done any kind of underwater work there right um, when i say the hell spot it's uh-huh. it, it's a geof it's a point uh Right where Turkey and uh, meets what? It's right at the tip of Turkey. It's right in the Dardanelles. Yeah. Um, but it's where the city of Troy is and your whole story of uh, the Trojan horse, uh, allegedly. Yeah, exactly. Um, um, but I also know it from Herodotus, which is an amazing, like, crazy old book. John calls him the father of lies. <laughs> well, some people call him the father of history, and some of his detractors sure. call him the father but of they, lies. They, they talk about the Phoenicians building a bridge for the Persian king Xerxes to get across the hell spot, where they like basically oh, yeah. like built boats and then like rafts mm-hmm. and then tied them together um, all the way across here, and then just to meet uh, uh, King Leonidas of the, the the Spartans and his three hundred. Yeah. Yeah, but they, they, uh, no, they all died. Herodotus, absolutely incredible. Um, great, great reading, but but uh, somewhat in the vein of oh, what's a more contemporary person? Uh, well, not contemporary, but uh, um, Alex Jones. <laughs> <laughs> who is who is that? Who is the uh, uh, explorer that that Xerxes starting all the frogs gay? <laughs> oh no, the guy that the, the Venetian that went and lived in Beijing and then came back and uh, uh, Marco Polo. Oh, okay, yeah. So, yeah, so yeah, Marco yeah, Polo, yeah, yeah. He was he was a guy that traveled around similarities and similarities to Herodotus. Yeah, yeah. He traveled around and yeah. wrote about what he saw. Yeah, but he traveled all around Indeed. the all around. Oh my heavens! Western Silk Road all across civilization. Asia. Yeah, I mean, I mean, a lot of the work that I did in Novi Sviet. I mean, he had a his 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 family had a workshop there. 
um, which is incredible. Wow. Um, yeah. So, but, but he, you know, his, his, his work is, is, uh, it has some exaggerations in it mm-hmm. and of, of a similar vein to, to Herodotus, right? Sure. So like sure. his contemporary, like Thucydides was much more practical. Yo, his, yeah. But he, well, he was a, he was a military general though. Exactly. Yeah. So kicking it out on a farm. I know we're throwing farm. names out there that people are going to be like, what the are these guys oh, talking about? Yeah. <laughs> no, that's cool. Like Thucydides is, of, uh, is it, that's a, that's a classic though. But yeah, if you want to get down on some real old history, Herodotus is a, is a fun one. Um, I don't know. Absolutely. It's got the story of 300 in it, you know? And I mean, some of the lines from the movie are actually in that book. And what is that book from like 400 something BC? It's, it's like 400. Yeah, I, 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 I think it's like 450 BC. Uh, that's what I'm, that's my guess. I'm guessing 456, 456. Perfect. Yeah. 450 is a great. Okay. Right on target. Yeah. Close enough. All right. Anyway, Helicarnassus. I was in Helicarnassus last year. That's cool. That's what I, yeah, but this is what you reminded me of, John, was like how amazing these places are. Like, we're, we can talk about history, we can read about history, we can watch Netflix movies uh, about people finding history. Like, right? it's not even a movie about history, it's a movie about people discovering other history, you know? Like, and so, but when you go there and just experience it, yeah. it's it's completely different like you're only going to experience it in that location like yeah yeah there's just no doubt. there's weird spots spots hold energy you know um gosh and we have these we just don't have as many of them in america you know hmm. um but i i mean Living here in Wisconsin, we got a couple, and I like to go to them, too. We have Aztalan, which is just outside of Milwaukee, and that's a um, Native American uh, complex that has, like, earthen pyramids, and they had a large stockade wall, like a wooden wall, like, all the way around the the village. And um, it's partially rebuilt so that you can kind of get an idea of of the place, and it's it's a state park, so it's really cool. But you go there... And like you can stand on top of the pyramids and stuff, and I take my kids up there. It's great. Like that's awesome. There's a there's and they're they're all over the place, and especially now, like when you can't be around other people, it's nice to go out and go to places where other people used to be, right? Yeah. Right, and and kind of and put yourself in in those shoes for a moment, and. Uh, especially if you get real like you get outside your comfort zone go outside of your your city go outside of your state get out of the country you know go underwater (laughs) go underwater and go scuba dive on a shipwreck that people died on and i will tell you it there's not another there's not another feeling that you're gonna get uh that's the truth you know and it's not like I'm even gonna try to describe it. It's not worth even trying. Yeah. But I mean, all these places are different, you know. 
And so, uh, I don't know, maybe they're like Pokemon to me, man. I just like to collect these experiences that I'm having at, <laughs> at historic places. Like, I like to go to museums. I like to look at all this stuff. I mean, I'm fascinated by what has happened in the past. And I'm fascinated by how we question it, too. Like, and how how we're, how we're, it's not just like how we're perceiving it, but like how we're meant to perceive it. Right. Like if you can see through the way that you're supposed to be seeing it, then you can kind of take a look at it for yourself. Yeah. Yeah, man. I think I get what you're saying. Um, if you get right. So, so everything's kind of packaged mm-hmm. and if you can see the packaging, then just observe the package. a little bit firmer ground for making your own, for, you know, drawing your own conclusions. Yeah. 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 No, no, that makes sense. Yeah, definitely, man. I had a, uh, one of my favorite authors. Um, I think I told you about him is, uh, Daniel Borstein. He was a professor at university of Chicago and then he was the librarian of Congress for like 17 years. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You told me briefly. Yeah. he, he said, you know, something similar, but he, he wrote two collections of books. Um, one about basically the history of history and then one about, uh, American society. But the, uh, um, the trilogy for, you know, the historical trilogy is, uh, the creators is the first one. The discoverers is the second one, and the, the seekers is the third one. And he just goes through and uh, systematically addresses these massive concepts like time. What is time, right? Not in like <laughs> a cosmic or quantum sense. That's but, more than one podcast. <laughs> oh my god, <laughs> way more. But he he condenses it to a twenty-page chapter, and he just takes a look at how humans started looking at time, mm-hmm. how we, you know, from the cycles of the sun and moon down to water clocks to more advanced timekeeping pieces to the, uh, British, um, uh, the, the British crown offered a prize. Oh yeah. I know the, this. I know that story. Itself. Yeah. Yeah. That's an amazing yeah, story. Chronometer, right. Yeah. So the, he goes through with all these different topics and, and basically brushes on these when you've read them all you have this beautiful three-dimensional sphere in your head of the general history of humanity and i mean you can build on you can build on it infinitely i swear those three books are worth more than my entire high school history education there you go so i'll put a i'll put a link i'll put a link in the notes to those three books I, I, I have no affiliation, so I can't give you any discount code. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> They're amazing. Please, whoever's listening to this, check yeah, them out. Yeah, first I, I definitely will. I definitely will. Yeah, uh, you'll you'll learn something new on every page. Um, it's it's brilliant. That's awesome, John. Well, man, we are uh, up over an hour. What do you think, man? Can you hear me? Yeah, oh, you yeah. good? Sorry. <laughs> Said I, I we're up over an hour, John. We're good. Uh, do you got anything else? 
Oh no! Last man, thoughts. I mean, I, let's let's give a concluding thought. I'll amazing. give. A, okay, I'll go. We'll do a concluding thought. I'll give one first. My concluding thoughts on history. Oh man, do your research, because I don't know. Space could be fake. <laughs> Dude, if it's not a liquid, then why do they call it a spaceship? I don't, I'm just kidding, man. Anyway, do your research. <laughs> um, be curious. That's for sure. Like I, yeah. And, um, I think everybody's seeing it now, not just me, but we're all starting to see behind the words on the page, starting to see into the mind of the author and get the energy that they're putting out. And if you can pick up and just trust it, that's what I would say. Do your research and trust your instincts. Like, I don't don't really think you can go wrong there. And if you're questioning something, you know, when I, I don't know, I just kind of humble myself and I ask for an answer and then, uh, and then forget about it for a little bit. Don't put it on a pedestal and, uh, and it'll come to you. (laughs) Yeah. What do you got, John? No, man, you're right on. I mean, humility is the heart of good research. Um, we're all we're all changing and growing as people, uh, and history is just another another tool that we can use to to try to to make uh, today and tomorrow better. So um, there, you know, there's so much out there. There's so much good work to be done, and you're right on on the, the money, Chad. With uh, you know, you know that sense of humility, like approaching it as you know, from a, a, a place of seeking and, and, um, being willing to, to reach out and ask other people, uh, to help find the least wrong answer. That's awesome, man. Thanks, John. I appreciate it. Thank you, Chad. I appreciate being here. You take care, man. All right. You too.